Hi, and welcome to Take Every Thought Captive, our weekly look at the Catholic intellectual tradition and an exploration of the author's books and topics that have shaped Catholic thinking for over 2,000 years. My name is Jason Gale, and I'm joined this week uh, by a special guest, Father George Elliott from the Diocese of Tyler. Uh, He is a priest there, and he is co-founder and director of Catholic Cast Media. Uh, Welcome to the podcast, Father George. Thank you, Jason. It's good to be here. Awesome. We're bringing Father George on because uh, he has just put out a book called Discernment, Do's and Don'ts. It's published by Tan, uh, and you can find uh, his book on Amazon. You can also find it at uh, Tan. I want you first uh, give us a little bit of introduction of yourself and uh, uh, let us know how you came about writing a book about vocations. Sure thing. So I grew up in Northeast Texas, and um, from there I, I entered the seminary. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I entered the Air Force Academy, and while I was at the Air Force Academy, I, I really felt called to the priesthood, and um, so I entered the seminary the the following year. Spent three years in Philadelphia, there, and then five years in Rome, um, and then came back to the United States just a couple of years ago, back to my diocese of Tyler, Texas. One thing that happened to me while I was in the seminary is I kind of had this the second swing of uh, discernment. Mm-hmm. I I was pretty certain that I had been called to the priesthood. Um, however, whenever I was younger, I didn't really have any exposure to religious. <clears throat> and oh, as yeah. I went to the seminary and spent more time in the seminary, I I began to know more and more faithful religious. And I realized, you know what? I have never really discerned religious life. And so it kind of threw me into a panic. And <laughs> uh, so I started reading and doing all of this research and really entered into a real time of discernment of religious life. Mm-hmm. And while I was doing that, I thought to myself, man, thanks be to God that I've been in the seminary for a while because the materials that were out there, there were there were several good books out there that are, you know, if you think you're called to the priesthood, read this. If you think you're called to uh, religious life, read this. If you think you're called to marriage, read this. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. as I went searching, there, there, at least I could not find any good resources in English that were, this is how you go about discerning a vocation. As I became a priest, I'd spent a lot of time working with um, youth, young adults, and worked through a lot of vocational discernment with the different people that I was directing in these different roles. And uh, I realized, you know what, this really is a need for the church. And so I decided to, to go ahead and write the book. Yeah, and I, as I as I made my way through the book, I just found it to be not just theologically sound and uh, just really solid, but uh, I love the practicality of it. Uh, do's and don'ts, like you know, there there is a wrong way uh, to discern your vocation um, that can lead to you know frustration and uh, a lot of other things, you know. So I like the the, the practicality of uh, of the book in that way that it's just super super helpful. I think for for those of our listeners that are out there that are discerning or have a child, uh, grandchild that are that's discerning um, where they're called by God uh, uh, to serve Him and to glorify Him, uh, and so I just love the absolute practicality of it. And, and you know, also I, I I could say that you know, having read you know a few books uh, uh, in my uh, before <laughs> I was married, because uh, that would be weird if I read them now, but. Uh, uh, as I read some, you know, discernment books uh, earlier in life, you know, it was almost like, okay, if I read this book, you know, at the magic, you know, there's going to be this magical point at the end where I'm going to be like, ah, everything is clear. Everything, I know what to do. I know what to, 
Whereas, you know, I think you lay that out very, very well. Um, just kind of the, uh, the progression of discerning a vocation. Uh, the other part I love about your book is that you begin with definitions. And as a good Thomist myself, um, <laughs> it's always important to define your terms in the beginning. So, uh, and you have a very nice graph and, uh, and you begin with holiness, that, that we're all called uh, to this holiness. And then from there, we discern our individual uh, vocations. Uh, so maybe you could take us uh, kind of through maybe just a, a, a quick uh, walkthrough of the book uh, and kind of the, the path to discernment and maybe some important, um, uh, some important things maybe that you put in the book that you really didn't find anywhere else. Yeah, sure thing. Starting off, the, I think the, the graphic that you mentioned there, just the idea that, you know, as baptized people, we're all called to, to holiness. That's one of those fundamental ideas that uh, we need to be pursuing that vocation. And then it's, it's what we normally call a vocation, you know, mm-hmm. called to married life or priesthood or religious life or whatever it may be, that um, that's actually just the, the singular expression of how we are to live out that call to mm-hmm. holiness. Um, and so uh, if you take a look at the book, it's, it's broken up into seven chapters. And the first chapter, um, I, I have to admit, I, I had a big debate with myself whether or not I was going to write it uh, precisely in this way, but I decided because while I was reading through St. Thomas, he has a really interesting line in which he says that, I'm not going to get the quote exactly right, but that, that creation is a kind of calling. Um, and it was, it was this revelation to me, realizing that you know, if, we, if we truly desire to do the will of God, who is both our creator and our savior, um, then living our humanity properly mm-hmm. um, on the natural level is, in fact, the fundamental vocation because we yeah. can't be baptized unless we're human beings. And if God created us as human beings, we need to, to do humanity well um, so that we can do holiness well. Um, and so I, I, I did decide to put you, the, the living of a person's um, you know, identity and existence as a human being, as that, that first chapter. I think that's so important because many times today our common secular culture will uh, just deny that there's any sort of natural end to the human person. Um, that, you know, mm-hmm. oh, you just, yeah, you define it. Whatever it is you want to do, you can do. Whereas, you know, nope, from our nature, from the way that God created us, he created us with an end in mind. Uh, and so it's, it's, our, it's our duty, and we're not really fulfilled until we uh, uh, search, until we try to reach that, that natural end, but he doesn't stop there. You know, he, he calls us to something uh, much higher holiness. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so starting off with uh, just that kind of acceptance I found when I was working with young people discerning their vocation, mm-hmm. um, oftentimes there's a kind of lack of acceptance of themselves that because they've rejected themselves, they can't accept what, God is calling them as a unique person too. And so, mm. um, you know, in the, in the healthiest and most Catholic way, it's very important for a person to accept um, how they have been uh, created with their, you know, with, with each of their personal characteristics. And of course, you know, you have to have this real distinctions there about, um, you know, this is not just a you be you kind of a thing. And yeah. it's, it's not a self-define yourself, um, or self-identify, but rather, a real acceptance of how God has created someone. And then somewhat connected to that, the idea that uh, God calls the individual person and communicates that call to the person. Obviously, they 
they can be guided and um, aided by other people Mm -hmm. in that process of discernment. However, um, you know, I I can't say how many people I've had just kind of open up to me who are already in their vocations and will say, you know, well, I, I became a priest because my mom wanted to, or, you know, I really thought I was called to the priesthood, but, um, you know, so-and-so told me I, I couldn't, um, or, you know, I, that, that they would you know disown me or whatever it may be, um, because of that. And, um, you know, they, they really opened up their hearts at that time. And, um, I was able to see just the anguish that had been caused by them doing not what they knew God was calling them to, but rather what somebody else wanted them to. There's this real pressure maybe from the outside of, you know, cause I mean, I've had friends too, where, you know, they wanted to, they were thinking about discerning vocation to the priesthood and uh, their, their parents were angry, you know, or their grandparents were angry. Uh, they didn't want that. You know, they wanted them to be married because they wanted grandkids or, you know, they wanted, uh, uh, they didn't necessarily feel that strongly about the church or the priesthood. And so, you know, they would, you know, really influence their, 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 their grandkids and their kids in that way. I mean, it's just, you know, so there is a real, uh, which I think you point out very well, there's a real humility and openness um, that the uh, uh, individual needs to have uh, and, and trying to draw out the clarity uh, of the call. So chapters two and three, you bring, you, you bring in uh, holiness and prayer, which are, uh, you know, kind of the, the first steps uh, after you've kind of, you know, made this, uh, or you have this understanding of yourself. What are maybe some do's and don'ts when it comes to, uh, especially, you know, prayer during this time? I find when, when someone is desiring to know their vocation, they will oftentimes increase their prayer life Mm-hmm. Uh, dramatically and pray only about a vocation. Um, and so, you know, they'll, they'll sit and they'll spend all this time in the church just saying, you know, God, what, what am I supposed to do with my life? What am I supposed to do with my life? What am I supposed to do with my life? Um, but if we really understand this, this idea that, a, you know, vocation is the particular way or the particular expression of how we are going to live out holiness in our lives, um, we're kind of putting the cart before the horse or um, yeah. we're using... Um, perhaps the the means as the end, um, because we're not we're not pursuing holiness. We don't have that life of prayer um, mm. and that relationship with our Lord. And so, um, you know, one one thing that uh, I really encourage is to have people develop a prayer life and a relationship with God um, separate from the whole um, vocation question. That, yeah, you know what? Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. just start praying. Don't pray about your vocation right now. It's okay. Until you have a real relationship with our Lord, um, you're going to have a hard time discerning where it is that he's calling you. And so develop that relationship with him first, have that prayer life, um, and then begin to bring in uh, the vocation question. I think that's so key. I mean, it makes me think of, uh, uh, you know, the story of the rich young man. You, you bring this uh, passage up in, in your book as well. You know, about, you know, he says, you know, he goes to Christ and he says, what must I do to enter heaven? And he says, follow the commandments. You know, um, <laughs> he begins there and then he says, OK, mm-hmm. I've done that. You know, OK, now we can go to something deeper. Um, but he begins, you know, with with the commandments uh, uh, and he says, you know, kind of, you know, begin with this. That's kind of that universal call. We're all called to follow the commandments. And then, you know, uh, um uh, God will take you deeper after after you've established kind of that uh, um, that that kind of prerequisite of of at least uh, remaining you know remaining in sanctifying grace, 
um, receiving mm-hmm. the sacraments, receiving grace, having this prayer life, uh, and, and then he can take uh, you deeper. Uh, but I think a lot of times, you know, maybe our American, you know, kind of uh, sensibilities get in the way where, you know, we want to do God's will and we want to do it now. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I know you bring this up in your book about uh, uh, timing uh, as well, how important that is. Uh, maybe you could give us some uh, um, some insight into, uh, especially like the, the timing. I found that chapter to be very, very good. So, the you know, the first bit uh, regarding time is, if God really has created us for something mm-hmm. uh, and he has created all of humanity for a certain purpose, then the, the complexity of all things that have to happen for our vocation to become available to us um, is really quite astonishing. Um, and anybody that's uh, you know, been involved in, in a large project knows that there are lots of wheels turning, and if something jumps ahead of the process, it actually throws the whole process off. And yes, so sometimes yes. we'll think there's nothing going on simply because you know, our our cog is not turning. Um, but in fact, there there's this huge process happening. And so just allowing uh, ourselves to be okay with the fact that that our Lord is in control and that He has a timing that is that is right for us and for him. And if we truly wait for our Lord and allow him to guide the process, then that process will uh, be achieved in the, in the most efficient and in the best way. And in fact, in the quickest way as well, it's when we try and rush things that uh, we break, <laughs> we break things. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's a, I'm pretty yeah. sure it's a story of creation, you know, the fall, you know, God gave exactly. us something and we broke it, you know? Um, yeah. And I think that the, the issue of timing is so important because you, when you, especially when you read the lives of the saints, I mean, you read, you know, um, uh, Ignatius, you know, uh, he was a soldier before he was uh, Saint Ignatius, you know, like, that had a profound effect on how he approached things. You know, you look at John Paul II and everything he went through uh, with, you know, um, the Solidarity Movement and all of these things, you know, had he been simply just, you know, rushed into seminary or something like that or, or had done something else, you know, these, these profound experiences of him before, you know, he became a priest, uh, um, you know, I think was a gift to his priesthood. And I think that's, you know, some, sometimes that, you know, people need to understand that, you know, the time that God's giving you now before you're a priest or before you're married, uh, um, that's a gift that should hopefully, you know, make you a better priest. Uh, you should, you know, be learning from these experiences and uh, uh, kind of, you know, again, like you said, but it's, oh, it's such a hard trust, I think, for, for, for people to have of, of God's timing. Because uh, it's just it's unknown, you know, and it's uh, uh, it's so hard, I think, for people to uh, uh, really kind of uh, let go of. Absolutely, I think that's that's the key right there. Is that the we we always want to be able to hold on. If we can't hold on to it, then it doesn't exist, um, or it's not real. Uh, and it's that that ability to to accept that it's real, even though we're not, we don't have the death grip on it. Now, chapter five, you you it's it's entitled talk. Now. When we're when we're now this you know this vocation you know while while it is you know a, a call from God it's not uh, simply a conversation between you and God. Um, what do you recommend for for people to do during this time? You know they're they're trying to grow in holiness. They're they're having that prayer life with with God outside of like their vocational discernment. 
but they are, you know, having maybe that prayer for vocational discernment, trying to be patient with God's time. Uh, what do you recommend with uh, with this chapter in, on, on talk? Yeah, so in particular during that time um, in which a, a major life transition is possible, mm-hmm. um, when you've begun to kind of identify certain um, vocations, certain concrete vocations, so perhaps re- entering uh, into the seminary with this diocese or with that religious order or um, marrying or you know becoming engaged with this person, you know the the dating re- relationship has developed for a while. Um, there are these natural transition times, and so at, at that time, it's good to really set aside time to dedicate yourself to discerning a particular uh, vocation. Mm-hmm. And during that time, in particular, of course, it's always good to have good counselors, um, good people that we can um, trust their their advice. Um, and we can they open up to uh, um, that time in particular though it's uh, it's very important to make sure that there's somebody that we can speak to who has um, you know the best our best interests yeah 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 uh, in mind and in, in their in their heart and that are are well formed as Catholics that are going to think with the church mm-hmm. and help mm-hmm. us to really uh, think through uh, the situation and also help us to see ourselves you know it's it's difficult to understand ourselves, especially when when we're in complex situations. And so, you know, when we're when we're discerning, it's good to have someone else who can help be a kind of mirror that, that you know we speak to them and they help us to see more clearly um, what's going on within ourselves. Yeah, and somebody that can be you know a, a little more uh, objective, you know, because you know a parent exactly. is obviously going to have a lot of emotion invested in this. You mm-hmm. know, a grandparent, you know, you know, a youth minister, you know, somebody like that, you know. But to have somebody that's you know is is well formed kind of can can look at everything objectively, uh, and and I like that you you know you you mentioned that it's something that we we think through that you know um, sometimes I hear people just say well I f- I feel called, um, so you know I think that's where okay well you know I think your your feelings do play a role, um, but it's something that's also you know involves the whole person you know not just uh, it's not just a feeling but it's something that that needs to be worked through, you know, intellectually and, uh, um, you know, uh, not to get, not to get off topic too much, but, you know, I remember one time, uh, um, a young lady said that she felt called to the priesthood and I could say, well, I'm sorry, but you know, your feeling is, is misguided because that's impossible, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, to bring yeah, that, to bring that feeling to fruition, uh, is an impossibility. So, you know, I just said, you know, well, right off the bat, you know, that's, you know, that, that cannot happen. So, uh, we need to, you know, um, s- set your feelings aside. Okay, what are the good things in those feelings? What is it that you want to do uh, that 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 makes you feel called to that? You know, and then you know, kind of guided guided her that way. Um, you know, so I mean, it is one of those things where it's so important to have somebody, uh, and not just one person. You know, but to you know, look at different things and uh, uh, talk talk to different people about not just, you know, you, you yourself, but also, you know, what you're, like you said, I mean, there's, especially when you look at, you know, celibate vocations, I mean, you're looking at diocesan priesthood, religious life, you know, and then when you get into religious orders, you know, I mean, you're just, you know, especially if you, if you're looking at like Franciscans or something where there's, you know, God only knows how many different, <laughs> different Franciscan exactly. orders there are, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, you know, so, you know, there's so many, there's, you know, when you, you get into those kind of individual, kind of uh talks that you need to have uh with uh with those people as well 
I think you touched on an important point there. Um, and since you have a little bit more of an intellectual listenership, I think it's worth uh, talking about one of the kind of side projects of writing the book was I noticed uh, another situation in a lot of the discernment materials out there in the Catholic Church that, um, you know, throughout the in the history of the theology of vocation and discernment, there have been um, different times where different aspects of it were highlighted mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've noticed in, in a decent amount of the uh, discernment materials that are out there, there's a kind of tending toward one school or another. Um, and if you try to read all of those different materials, you can begin to see them in a very um, contradictory way. Mm, and so oftentimes, you know, the, the, the feeling idea of vocation, uh, mm-hmm. that tends to be more of, it's all about the discernment of spirits. And whereas uh, a Dominican style of vocation is one that really emphasizes thought and the use of reason and making a choice mm-hmm. and, um, then you can also see just kind of in, in how the different vocations are dealt with. Some people will tend toward a very um, kind of early church uh, patristic idea where they, they almost um, they kind of don't, don't value marriage very much. Or they see it as kind of a, a second-class vocation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then there will be other people that will kind of highlight more um, you know, John Paul II in this exaltation marriage to almost to the point where they begin to see um, celibacy as this, you know, odd or unhealthy thing, or, you know, if you can't get married, then you become celibate. And so <laughs> what I really tried to do was begin to pull together all of these different themes and, and read them in continuity with, with each other, because if they are all part of the Catholic tradition, mm-hmm. which they are, uh, then we need to see them all together and we need to avoid any of the extremes yeah. um, from one side or the other. You know, these are great saints, great writers, great theologians um, that wrote these things. And that was also a, a major part of me writing the the book that I desired to kind of begin um, to enter into you know, the theological discussion of how it is that we should read all of these different parts of um, the tradition in continuity, in continuity with each other, and so that we don't go to any extremes. So, perhaps in the future I'll be writing a more theological book. This was the the practical application because um, I thought that was a good thing to get out into the market right now. Yeah, and I think that's you know that's one thing that we we try to emphasize you know in our pad on our podcast and in our courses you know is to you know when we look at these issues it's important to look at, you know, look at the breadth as much as possible. Look at the breadth of mm-hmm. Catholic, uh, uh, Catholic theology. Don't just, you know, read from the 20th century forward, you know, or from the 15th right. century backwards. Um, but to, but to look at yeah. the breadth and to see, you know, um, uh, you know, while, you know, avoid the extremes, um, you know, and avoid the deficiencies, you know, but to try to find, uh, um, kind of the, the good emphasis that each brings, uh, to the conversation, uh, and to go from there. Uh, you know, I think that's, I, I think that's so, so very important. And you do begin, uh, um, for our listeners, he, you know, Father George begins the book with a, a very good theological understanding of vocations in this way. Now, one of the things that I, I love about this book when I just, when I first opened it was, uh, I looked at the table of contents and I saw chapter seven act and i was like yes you know because sometimes you know uh 
uh, I went to, you know, Franciscan University of Steubenville. And, uh, you know, it was a great college and, and, I, and I enjoyed my time there. But, uh, you know, I just found that, you know, there was there was some particular people I ran into where, I mean, they were sitting there just discerning uh, nonstop, you know, um, whereas, you know, I was I was a bit more practical and, you know, being a fellow Texan as well, you know, you just you look at things a little more simply. And so, I mean, my approach was always, you know, remain in God's grace and eventually you'll get there. Um, you know, so that was, you know, cause I, I hadn't read a whole lot yet. So, uh, that was kind of my disposition, but, but I love that you, that you include this as, as a chapter that, that, you know, this, this discernment cannot, uh, uh go on forever to the point where either, uh, you know, you're never going to have this. I, I, I know a hundred percent without absolutely any doubt. I, I think that's very rare. We're always going to have some maybe apprehension, whether, you know, towards, uh, towards where God is calling you because it's unknown, uh, you know, so we're going to have some ap- uh, apprehension, you know, so it's not going to be, uh, the call may be clear, but, you know, our apprehension towards it, uh, should not hinder us from acting. So maybe you can give us some, uh, uh, some, uh, practicalities when it comes to, okay, you've kind of gone through this process now. Now, now what does it mean to act? I think, the the best parallel is really in the dating and marriage vocation. Everybody kind of um, gets this intuitively that you know if you're if you're interested in a girl, what do you do? Well, you ask her on a date, and if that <laughs> date goes well, then you ask her on another date, um, and you know you develop this this relationship um, of dating or courtship, whatever term you want to use. You know, as that continues to develop, you get to a point where you think to yourself, "Wow." I think I have sufficient certainty that I am called to marry this woman. And so what do you do? You take the next step. You, you ask her to marry you. Um, and at that moment, there is a, there's a kind of gauge. There's yes or no. If she says no, well, then you're not called to marry her. And that's the end of it, at least not now. Um, and if she says yes, well, then, you know, you have a little bit more certainty that, yes, this perhaps is what God's calling me to. And then you have this time of engagement and, some sort of marriage formation probably. Um, and it's this time in which, in which you have more serious discernment and it's a, it's an environment in which people know, Oh wow, they're engaged. Okay. Well, that is probably a situation in which, um, you know, the normal end is to be married. However, we're not certain that they will be married because, um, until you're there at the altar, you know, yeah. um, things can change. And then, you know, finally, after that whole process, then you stand at the altar and um, you, you're married. You make that point that, you know, we don't just kind of discern marriage in, in kind of this vacuum, but you discern, am I called to marry this person? That it's very uh, distinct, you know, or am I just called to like the, the celibate life? Like, no, am I called to this religious order, this diocese? Uh, um uh, like, I think that is so important that it's not just this kind of oblivious kind of discernment to uh, be celibate or be married, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And I find uh, that, so everybody can kind of fall into that trap, but I, I find it's, it's young women that I see it most often with where they'll say, no, I'm called to, I'm called to marriage. I'm called to marriage. I'm called to marriage. Mm. And, you know, my question for them always is, well, do you have a boyfriend? They go, <laughs> well, no. So, okay. Uh, well, why not? Yeah. Well, well, I, well, I'm kind of picky. Like, well, 
is it because you're looking for the perfect spouse? Yeah. And they say, yeah. And say, well, you know, there's there's only one of those, and his name is Jesus Christ. And so <laughs> perhaps you're called to celibacy. And, and, you know, once they kind of open up their hearts to that possibility, they oftentimes very quickly um, will find the religious order that they're called to and, and enter right in. Um, I see that again and again and again. Um, that's awesome. The person that's called to the celibate vocation, they don't necessarily, it's not because it, it, they don't choose the celibate vocation out of a rejection of marriage. Mm-hmm. That the that the things that'll make a, a a good wife will also make a good religious. The things that will make a you know a good husband will also make a, a good priest. Um, you know, but it that it is this you know sacrifice. Yes, I recognize the goods of marriage, and on a natural and in a natural way, you know, you are called to that. Um, but you know, are you willing to sacrifice the goods that you see in marriage, the goods that you see in being a husband and a father? Are you willing to sacrifice that uh, for the bride of Christ? Uh, you know, that's a that's a big calling. Sometimes there's a, some confusion surrounding the priesthood. You know, it's a higher calling than marriage. But, you know, while being theologically true, how do we understand this without necessarily putting marriage down? Some of the most important things to say up front yeah. is that marriage is a good and holy vocation. And... You can be a saint, and the expectation is that you are a saint Mm. if you're in the vocation of marriage. Um, And then also with all of the, any of the the celibate vocations, um, so priesthood, religious life, consecrated celibate, Mm -hmm. consecrated virginity or anything of the sort, um, it's the exact same thing. That is a good and holy vocation, and you can be a saint, and you are expected to be a saint. And so when we recognize those two, or those facts that... Um, one is not more saintly than the other, yeah. uh, then we can begin talking about how this works. Uh, and how I like to speak about it is um, objectively better and subjectively better mm-hmm. vocations are higher. Uh, and so an objectively um, higher vocation means that if we were to detach that vocation from um, any concrete situation and just look at the vocation as it is, both are very good and high vocations. However, the celibate vocations are the ones that that mimic the highest things. So just as you know, the, those who are in heaven are neither married nor given in marriage, mm-hmm. um, so also the celibate vocation is one in which, um, be, hopefully because of the person's unity with Christ, uh, which they will have in fullness in heaven, um, they have chosen to be on earth, neither married nor given in marriage. And so because it is more similar to the state of the blessed in heaven, it's talked about in an objective way as a higher vocation. Mm-hmm. Um, and marriage is a very good and holy vocation. And in fact, is uh, a kind of foretaste of the eternal wedding feast in heaven with Christ united to his bride, the church. Um, and so it is very good and beautiful and holy. However, because the state of the person is um, in this married state, which doesn't exist in it's not objectively considered to be as high of a vocation. Now, it's very important to recognize that the subject, subjectively better vocation is a very important thing. I think um, as, yeah. as uh, Thomists, there's, there can be a tendency uh, for us to say, well, what is objective is more important than what is subjective. Yeah. Really, if you get in and read Thomas, he, he, he has a very good understanding, I think, of the importance of the, the subjective or the, the particular application yeah, yeah, of yeah. Um, yeah. 
of the, the idea. It's, it's actually a very Aristotelian concept that, um, you know, the, the primary and secondary substances, if I remember correctly, um, the, the, you know, the form and the matter or the, the yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, that, you know, you can talk about those vocations being higher or better, or, um, but God has created each one of us for a particular vocation. Mm-hmm. And what is better for any particular person is not necessarily what is objectively the higher vocation, but rather the vocation that they have been made for. Um, and so discernment mm-hmm. is not about arguing about which is the higher vocation objectively, but rather which is the better vocation subjectively for that person. Sometimes it's, you know, while, while the, the understanding is, is good and needed, you know, theologically speaking, you know, when you're talking to somebody about, you know, discerning, this may not be the best time to talk about, you know, because I think sometimes it just leads uh, a little bit to, to confusion. Well, you know, if this is objectively better then it is subjectively better for me, where, which is what, where, what you're saying is no, it's, you know, we could speak about these things when you look at them um, uh, independently of persons. When you just put up uh, marriage and what is being, uh, what are the vows of marriage? What are the the promises being made? And then you put up, you know, the um, uh, you put up the religious life and uh, you see what the vows are made there. You know, yeah, the vows are uh, are higher than those of of marriage. So objectively speaking, you know, we could say, yeah, it is. It is higher, but again, like you said, you know, subjectively it is there. And I love, I love what you wrote about it in here. You said marriage is a very high vocation. Yes. <laughs> the celibacy is a higher vocation. So, you know, I think that's a, a good place to start out. You know, I remember one time when I was actually, when I was uh, engaged to my wife, uh, you know, the, the priest took me aside and he's like, I want to talk to you. And I'm like, oh, great. What do I do now? But he pulled me aside and he just, he simply said, you know, the hardest things, uh, the hardest choices you're going to make in your life are the, or or between what is good and what is good. Uh, and you bring this up in your book that, you know, the, 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 the choice, you know, that when you're discerning the, the subject, the subjectivity of this vocational call, it's not a choice between something that is good and something that is bad, but something, uh, but two things that are good, you know, which one is better for me? You know, that's really where, where it comes down to it. And again, that's why I think it's so important to highlight what you, what you wrote about that, you know, uh, that this call, this vocational call is a, it's a, it's a personal call. It's not this kind of uh, um, oblivious call that it's, um, it's what's better for me. Am I called to this person, to this religious life, to this thing? It's very, it's very personal uh, in that way. And and like you said, it's because, you know, we have a a God who is a God of action um, who calls us, mm-hmm. uh, to something more besides, besides your book here. Uh, what are some, uh, um, other, uh, recommendations for reading or maybe what are some, what are some good saints out there that, uh, maybe parents can buy their kids, uh, with regards to, um, you know, just, um, uh, maybe even just the idea of maybe you're called to something else that you don't even know about, you know, namely re- the religious life or the priesthood. What are some books that are out there that uh, we can that you can recommend? I'm trying to think through some some good options. Uh, it depends, obviously, a lot on uh, the the age group. I tend to work from the top down, and so I'm thinking through, you know, uh, Saint Ignatius, mm-hmm. uh, Saint Alphonsus Liguori, any of the books that really encourage. Um, virtue 
So uh, there's <laughs> Be a Man, um, Back to Virtue, uh, Captivating, any of those types of books I find are, are really outstanding because they, 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 they focus mm. the person on sanctity. Um, also good spiritual writings, um, you know, Introduction to the oh, Devout yeah. Life by St. Francis de Sales. I find to be outstanding and very effective with uh, yes, yes. the young adults and college I'll, I'll students that I work with. Um, yeah, it's it's amazing that uh, so many years later, it's still just an, I mean, it's a real masterpiece. Um, also, Union with God by Blessed Columba Marmion uh, is really an outstanding. He does a good job of kind of laying out the, the spiritual life um, in a very compact way, so that um, people can kind of have the roadmap for holiness. holiness. That I find to be very effective. Also, Jacques Philippe uh, is an outstanding writer. Um, I find a lot of people have a hard time um, dealing with, you know, how do I get prayer into my life? Um, I want to grow in trust for God, or I have I have a hard time really living living that peaceful life so that the Spirit can uh, work within me. Um, and I turn almost every single time to, to Jacques Philippe for uh, for all of those topics. He really is an outstanding author. Yeah, he's got a great book on interior freedom, uh, which I think is just uh, um, absolutely amazing. I mean, I would say he's one of the, you know, uh, great spiritual writers and spiritual masters, you know, still living Mm -hmm. now. Um, Awesome. Very good, Father. Well, I just want to thank you for for joining us and giving us uh, some highlights of your book. Um, maybe you could give our listeners, uh, uh, give us a little bit more information about, about you, where they can find you online. And uh, in our show notes, we'll put, uh, we'll put a link to your book and uh, uh, to your media. Excellent. Uh, so the, the book can be picked up at tanbooks.com or else on amazon.com. Search for discernment, do's and don'ts. Uh, and then Catholic Cast Media, which is the, the media company that uh, I helped to found. It can be found at catholiccastmedia.com, a good number of our initiatives there. And you can check out catholicbitespodcast.com as well, which is a podcast that we run. Ah, very good. Very good. And if you're ever in the uh, the big city of Nacogdoches, Texas, you can uh, uh, pop into to Mass there and see, uh, see Father. Uh, and meet him there. So, Father George Elliott, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for guiding us through this, giving us some really good uh, uh, tips and a better understanding of kind of this uh, vocational call and this uh, way to discernment. So, Father George, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Very good. And that'll do it for us today at Take Every Thought Captive. In the meantime, check us out at catholicstudiesacademy.com. Until next time, God bless.